Act Four of All's Well That Ends Well. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act Four of All's Well That Ends Well by William Shakespeare. Scene One, without the Florentine camp. Enter Second French Lord with five or six other soldiers in ambush. He can come no other way but by this hedge-corner. When you sally upon him, speak what terrible language you will, though you understand it not yourselves, no matter, for we must not seem to understand him, unless some one among us whom we must produce for an interpreter. Good captain, let me be the interpreter. Art not acquainted with him? Knows he not thy voice? No, sir, I warrant you. But what linsey-woolsey hast thou to speak to us again? Even such as you speak to me. He must think us some band of strangers of the adversary's entertainment. Now he hath a smack of all neighboring languages. Therefore we must every one be a man of his own fancy, not to know what we speak one to another. So we seem to know is to know straight our purpose. Chuff's language, gabble enough and good enough. As for you, interpreter, you must seem very politic. But couch, ho! Here he comes, to beguile two hours in a sleep, and then to return and swear the lies he forges. Enter Parolles. Ten o'clock. Within these three hours twill be time enough to go home. What shall I say I have done? It must be a very plausive invention that carries it. They begin to smoke me, and disgraces have of late knocked too often at my door. I find my tongue is too foolhardy. But my heart hath the fear of Mars before it, and of his creatures, not daring the reports of my tongue. This is the first truth that e'er thine tongue was guilty of. What the devil should move me to undertake the recovery of this drum, being not ignorant of the impossibility, and knowing I had no such purpose? I must give myself some hurts, and say I got them in exploit. Yet slight ones will not carry it. They will say, came you off with so little and great ones i dare not give wherefore what's the instance <laughs> tongue i must put you into a butterwoman's mouth and buy myself another of bajazet's mule if you prattle me into these perils is it possible he should know what he is and be that he is i would the cutting of my garments would serve the turn or the breaking of my spanish sword we cannot afford you so or the bearing of my beard and to say it was in stratagem twould not do or to drown my clothes and say i was stripped hardly serve though i swore i leaped from the window of the citadel how deep thirty fathom three great oaths would scarce make that be believed I would I had any drum of the enemies. I would swear I recovered it. You shall hear one anon. Oh, a drum now of the enemies. Alarum within. Throca Moveusus. Cargo, cargo, cargo. Cargo, cargo, cargo. Oh, ransom, ransom, do not hide mine eyes. They seize and blindfold him. Bosco's trouble to Bosco's. I, I know you are the Muscos regiment, and I shall lose my life for want of language. Uh, if there be here German or Dane, uh, Low Dutch, Italian or French, let him speak to me. 
I'll discover that which shall undo the Florentine. Bosco's Volvedo. I understand thee, and can speak thy tongue. Carely bonto, sir. Betake thee to thy fate, for seventeen poniards are at thy bosom. Oh! Oh, pray, pray, pray. Manca rivania dulce. Oscar be dulcius valevorco. The general is content to spare thee yet, and who doing as thou art will lead thee on. Together from thee, haply thou mayst inform something to save thy life. Oh, let me live, and all the secrets of our camp I'll show, the, their force, their purposes, and nay, I'll speak that which you will wonder at. But wilt thou faithfully? If I do not, damn me. Accordo linta. Come on, thou art granted space. Exit with Parolles guarded. A short alarum within. Go. Tell the Count Rusillon and my brother we have caught the woodcock and will keep him muffled till we do hear from them. Captain, I will. I will betray us all unto ourselves. Inform on that. So I will, sir. Till then I'll keep him dark and safely locked. Exeunt. Scene 2. Florence, the widow's house. Enter Bertram and Diana. They told me that your name was... Fontybell. No, my good lord, Diana. Titled goddess. And worth it. With addition. But, Fessel, in your fine frame, have love no quality? If the quick fire of youth light not your mind, you are no maiden, but a monument. When you are dead, you should be such a one as you are now. For you are cold and stern. And now you should be as your mother was when your sweet self was got. She then was honest. So should you be. No, my mother did but duty, such, my lord, as you owe to your wife. No more of that. I prithee do not strive against my vows. I was compelled to her, but I love thee by love's own sweet constraint, and will for ever do thee all rights of service. Ay, so you serve us till we serve you. But when you have our roses, you barely leave our thorns to prick ourselves and mock us with our bareness. How have I sworn? Tis not the many oaths that makes the truth, but the plain single vow that is vowed true. What is not holy, that we swear not by, but take the highest to witness. Then pray you tell me, if I should swear by God's great attributes I loved you dearly, would you believe my oaths when I did love you ill? This has no holding to swear by him whom I protest to love, that I will work against him. Therefore your oaths are words and poor conditions, but unsealed, at least in my opinion. Change it, change it. Be not so wholly cruel. Love is holy, and my integrity ne'er knew the crafts that you do charge men with. Stand no more off, but give thyself unto my sick desires. Who then recovers? Say thou art mine, and ever my love as it begins shall so persever. I see that men make ropes in such a scar that we'll forsake ourselves. Give me that ring. Uh, I'll lend it thee, my dear, but have no power to give it from me. Will you not, my lord? It is an honour longing to our house, bequeathed down from many ancestors, which were the greatest obloquy in the world in me to lose. Mine honours such a ring. My chastity's the jewel of our house. 
bequeathed down from many ancestors, which were the greatest obloquy of the world in me to lose, thus your own proper wisdom brings in the champion honour on my part against your vain assault. Here, take my ring, my house, mine honour, yea, my life be thine, and I'll be bid by thee. When midnight comes, knock at my chamber window. I'll order take my mother shall not hear. Now will I charge you in the band of truth, when you have conquered my yet maiden bed, remain there but an hour, nor speak to me. My reasons are most strong, and you shall know them when back again this ring shall be delivered. And on your finger in the night I'll put another ring, that what in time proceeds may token to the future our past deeds. Adieu till then. Then fail not. You have won a wife of me, though there my hope be done. A heaven on earth I have won by wooing thee. Exit. For which live long to thank both heaven and me. You may so in the end. My mother told me just how he would woo, as if she sat in's heart. She says all men have the like oaths. He had sworn to marry me when his wife's dead. Therefore I'll lie with him when I am buried. Since Frenchmen are so braid, marry that will, I live and die a maid. Only in this disguise I think no sin to cousin him that would unjustly win. Exit. Scene three. The Florentine camp. Enter the two French lords and some two or three soldiers. You have not given him his mother's letter? I have delivered it an hour since. There is something in't that stings his nature, for on the reading it he changed almost into another man. He has much worthy blame laid upon him for shaking off so good a wife and so sweet a lady. Especially he hath incurred the everlasting displeasure of the king, who had even tuned his bounty to sing happiness to him. I will tell you a thing, but you shall let it dwell darkly with you. When you have spoken it, tis dead, and I am the grave of it. He hath perverted a young gentlewoman here in Florence, of a most chaste renown, and this night he fleshes his will in the spoil of her honour. He hath given her his monumental ring, and thinks himself made in the unchaste composition. Now God delay our rebellion, as we are ourselves. What things are we? Merely our own traitors, and as in the common course of all treasons, we still see them reveal themselves till they attain to their abhorred ends. So he that in this action contrives against his own nobility, in his proper stream o'erflows himself. Is it not meant damnable in us to be trumpeters of our unlawful intents? We shall not then have his company to-night? Not till after midnight, for he is dieted to his hour. That approaches apace. I would gladly have him see his company anatomized, that he might take a measure of his own judgments, wherein so curiously he had set this counterfeit. We will not meddle with him till he come, for his presence must be the whip of the other. In the meantime, what hear you of these wars? I hear there is an overture of peace. Nay, I assure you, a peace concluded. What will Count Roussillon do then? Will he travel higher, or return again into France? I perceive by this demand you are not altogether of his counsel. Let it be forbid, sir. So should I be a great deal of his act. Sir, his wife, some two months since, fled from his house. Her pretense is a pilgrimage to St. Jacques-le-Grand, with holy undertaking, with most austere 
sanctimony she accomplished, and there, residing the tenderness of her nature became as prey to her grief, in fine, made a groan of her last breath, and now she sings in heaven. How is this justified? The stronger part of it, by her own letters, which makes her story true, even to the point of her death, her death itself, which could not be her office, to say is come, was faithfully confirmed by the rector of the place. Hath the Count all this intelligence? Ay, and the particular confirmations, point from point, so to the full arming of the verity. I am heartily sorry that he'll be glad of this. How mightily sometimes we make us comforts of our losses. And how mightily some other times we drown our gain in tears. The great dignity that his valour hath here acquired for him shall at home be encountered with a shame as ample. The web of our life is of a mingled yarn, good and ill together. Our virtues would be proud if our faults whipped them not, and our crimes would despair if they were not cherished by our virtues. Enter a messenger. How now? Where's your master? He met the duke in the street, sir, of whom he hath taken a solemn leave. His lordship will next morning for France. The duke hath offered him letters of commendation to the king. They shall be no more than needful there, if they were more than they can commend. They cannot be too sweet for the king's tartness. Here's his lordship now. Enter Bertram. How now, my lord? Is it not after midnight? I have, to-night, dispatched sixteen businesses, a month's length apiece. By an abstract of success, I have congeed with the duke, done my adieu with his nearest, buried a wife, mourned for her, writ to my lady mother I am returning, entertained my convoy, and, between these main parcels of dispatch, effected many nicer needs. The last was the greatest. But that I have not ended yet. If the business be of any difficulty, and this morning your departure hence, it requires haste of your lordship. I mean the business is not ended as fearing to hear of it hereafter. But shall we have this dialogue between the fool and the soldier? Come, bring forth this counterfeit module. He has deceived me like a double-meaning prophesier. Bring him forth. Has sat in the stocks all night, poor gallant knave. No matter. His heels have deserved it in usurping his spurs so long. How does he carry himself? I have told your lordship already. The stocks carry him. But to answer you as you would be understood, he weeps like a wench that had shed her milk. He hath confessed himself to Morgan, whom he supposes to be a friar, from the time of his remembrance to this very instant disaster of his setting of the stocks. And what think you he hath confessed? Nothing of me, has he? His confession is taken, and it shall be read to his face. If your lordship be int, as I believe you are, you must have the patience to bear it. Enter Parolles guarded, and first soldier. A plague upon him! Ah, muffled! He can say nothing of me! Hush! Hush! Hoodman comes! Porto Tartarossa! He calls for the torches. What will you say without them? I will confess what I know without constraint. If you pinch me like a pasty, I can say no more. Bosco Simarco. Pablibindo Chicamurco. You are a merciful general. Our general beats your answer to what I shall ask you out of a note. And truly, as I hope to live. Reads. First demand of him how many horse the duke is strong. What say you to that? Five. 
or six thousand but very weak and unserviceable uh, the troops are all scattered and the commander's very poor rogues upon my reputation and credit and as i hope to live shall i said down your answer so do i'll take the sacrament on it how and which way you will all's one to him what a past saving slave is this you're deceived my lord this is monsieur parole's the gallant militarist that was his own phrase that had the whole theoric of war in the knot of his scarf and the practice in the shape of his dagger i will never trust a man again for keeping his sword clean nor believe he can have everything in him by wearing his apparel neatly well that is said down five or six thousand horse i said i will say true or thereabouts set down for i'll speak truth he's very near the truth in this but i can't him no thanks for it in the nature he delivers it poor rogues i pray you say well that's set down oh, i humbly thank you sir a truth's a truth the rogues are marvellous poor <laughs> reads demand of him of what strength they are afoot what say you to that by my troth sir if i were to live this present hour i will tell true uh let me see uh spuriel a hundred and fifty sebastian so many uh corambus so many uh jaquiz so many giltian cosmo lodowick and gratii two hundred and fifty each mine own company critifer vomond bentii two hundred and fifty each so that the musterfowl rotten and sound upon my life amounts not to fifteen thousand pole half the which dare not shake snow from out their cassocks lest they shake themselves to pieces what shall be done to him nothing but let him have thanks demand of him my condition and what credit i have with the duke well that's set down reads you shall demand of him whether one captain dumain be in the camp a frenchman what his reputation is with the duke what his valour honesty and expertness in wars and whether he thinks it were not possible with well-weighing sums of gold to corrupt him to revolt what say you to this what do you know of it i beseech you let me answer to the particular of the interrogatories demand them singly do you know this captain dumain i know him i was a butcher's prentice in paris from whence he was whipped for getting the shreve's fool with child a dumb innocent that could not say him nay nay by your leave hold your hands though i know his brains are forfeit to the next tile that falls well is this captain in the duke of florence's camp upon my knowledge he is and lousy <laughs> nay look not so upon me we shall hear of your lordship anon what is his reputation with the duke the duke knows him for no other but a poor officer of mine and writ to me this other day to turn him out of the band i think i have his letter in my pocket marry we will search <laughs> in good sadness i do not know either it is there or it is upon a file with the duke's other letters in my tent here it is here is a paper shall i read it to you <laughs> i do not know if it be or no our interpreter does it well excellently reads diane the count is a fool and full of gold 
Uh, that is not the duke's letter, sir. That is an advertisement to a proper maid in Florence, one Diana, to take heed of the allurement of one Count Rousillon, a foolish idle boy, but for all that very ruttish. I, I pray you, sir, put it up again. Nay, I'll read it first by your favour. My meaning in it, I protest, was very honest in the behalf of the maid, for I knew the young Count to be a dangerous and lascivious boy who is a whale to virginity and devours up all the fry it finds. Damnable, both sides rogue. Reads. When he swears oaths, bid him drop gold and take it. After his scores, he never pays the score. Half won his match well made. Match, and will make it. He never pays after debts. Take it before. And say a soldier, Dian, told thee this. Men are to mail it, boys are not to kiss. For count of this, the count is a fool, I know it. Who pays before, but not when he does owe it. Thine, as he vowed to thee in thine ear, Parolles. He shall be whipped through the army with this rhyme in his forehead. This is your devoted friend, sir, the manifold linguist and the armipotent soldier. I could endure anything before but a cat. And now he's a cat to me. I perceive, sir, by the general's looks, we shall be fain to hang you. My life, sir, in any case. Not that I'm afraid to die, but that my offences being many, I would repent out the remainder of nature. Let me live, sir, in a dungeon, in the stocks, or anywhere, so I may live. We'll see what may be done, so you confess freely. Therefore, once more to this Captain Dumain, you have answered to his reputation with the Duke, and to his valour. What is his honesty? He will steal, sir, an egg out of a cloister. For rapes and ravishments he parallels Nessus. He professes not keeping of oaths, and breaking them he is stronger than Hercules. He will lie, sir, with such volubility that you will think truth were a fool. Drunkenness is his best virtue, for he will be swine drunk, and in his sleep he does little harm, save to his bedclothes about him, but they know his conditions and lay him in straw. I have but little more to say, sir, of his honesty. He has everything that an honest man should not have. What an honest man should have, he has nothing. I begin to love him for this. For this description of thine honesty? A pox upon him. For me he's more and more a cat. What say you to his expertness in war? Faith, sir, he has led the drum before the English tragedians. To belie him I will not, and more of his soldiership I know not. Except in that country he had the honour to be the officer at a place there called Mile End, to instruct for the doubling of files. I would do the man what honour I can, but of this I am not certain. He hath out-villained villainy so far, that the rarity redeems him. Pox on him, he's a cat still. His qualities being at this poor price, I need not to ask you if gold will corrupt him to revolt. Uh, sir, for a court d'écue he will sell the fee simple of his salvation, the inheritance of it, and cut the entail from all remainders, and a perpetual succession for it perpetually. What's his brother, the other captain to Maine? Why does he ask him of me? What is he? In a crow of the same nest, not altogether so great as the first in goodness, but greater a great deal in evil. He exceeds his brother for a coward. 
yet his brother is reputed one of the best that is in a retreat he outruns any lackey marry in coming on he has the cramp if your life be saved will you undertake to betray the florentine i am the captain of his horse count resilian <laughs> i'll whisper the general and know his pleasure aside i'm no more drumming a plague of all drums only to seem to deserve well and to beguile the supposition of that lascivious young boy the count have i run into this danger yet who would have suspected an ambush where i was taken there is no remedy sir but you must die the general says you that have so traitorously discovered the secrets of your army and made such pestiferous reports of man very nobly held can serve the world for no honest use therefore you must die come headsman off with his head oh lord sir let me live or let me see my death that shall you and take your leave of all your friends unblinding him so look about you know you any here good morrow noble captain god bless you captain parolus god save you noble captain captain what greeting will you to my lord lefeu i am for france good captain will you give me a copy of the sonnet you writ to diana in behalf of the count rousselon and i were not a very coward ill compel it of you but fare you well exeunt bertram and lords you are undone captain all but your scarf that has not aunt yet who cannot be crushed with a plot if you could find out a country where but women where dad had received so much shame you might begin an impudent nation fare you well sir i am for france too we shall speak of you dear exit with soldiers ah uh, yet i am thankful if my heart were great twould burst at this captain i'll be no more but i will eat and drink and sleep as soft as captain shall simply the thing i am shall make me live who knows himself a braggart let him fear this for it will come to pass that every braggart shall be found an ass rust sword cool blushes and parolus live safest in shame being fooled by foolery thrive there's place and means for every man alive i'll after them exit scene four florence the widow's house enter helena widow and diana that you may well perceive i have not wronged you one of the greatest in the christian world shall be my surety for whose throne tis needful ere i can perfect mine intents to kneel time was i did him a desired office dear almost as his life which gratitude through flinty tartar's bosom would peep forth and answer thanks i duly am informed his grace is at marseilles to which place we have convenient convoy you must know i am supposed dead the army breaking my husband hies him home where heaven aiding and by the leave of my good lord the king will be before our welcome gentle madam you never had a servant to whose trust your business was more welcome nor you mistress ever a friend whose thoughts more truly labour to recompense your love doubt not but heaven hath brought me up to be your daughter's dower as it hath fated her to be my motive and helper to a husband 
But, oh, strange men, that can such sweet use make of what they hate, when saucy trusting of the cousined thoughts defiles the pitchy night, so lust doth play with what it loathes for that which is away. But more of this hereafter. You, Diana, under my poor instructions, yet must suffer something in my behalf. Let death and honesty go with your impositions. I am yours upon your will to suffer. Yet I pray you, but with the word the time will bring on summer, when briars shall have leaves as well as thorns, and be as sweet as sharp. We must away. Our wagon is prepared, and time revives us. All's well that ends well, still the fine's the crown. Whate'er the course, the end is the renown. Exeunt. Scene five. Rossillon, the Count's Palace. Enter Countess, Lafeu, and Clown. No, no, no. Your son was misled with a snipped taffeta fellow there, whose villainous saffron would have made all the unbaked and doughy youth of a nation in his colour. Your daughter-in-law had been alive at this hour, and your son here at home, more advanced by the king than by that red-tailed humble-bee I speak of. I would I had not known him. It was the death of the most virtuous gentlewoman that ever nature had praised for creating. If she had partaken of my flesh and cost me the dearest groans of a mother, I could not have owed her a more rooted love. Twas a good lady, twas a good lady. We may pick a thousand salads, there we light on such another herb. Indeed, sir, she was the sweet marjoram of the salad or rather the herb of grace they are not herbs you knave they are nose herbs <laughs> i am no great nebuchadnezzar sir i have not much skill in grass whether dost thou profess thyself a knave or a fool a fool sir at a woman's service and a knave at a man's your distinction i would cousin the man of his wife and do his service so you were a knave at his service indeed and i would give his wife my bauble sir to do her service i will subscribe for thee thou art both knave and fool at your service no 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 why, sir, if I cannot serve you, I can serve as great a prince as you are. Who's that? A Frenchman? Faith, sir, uh, has an English name, but his physnomy is more hotter in France than here. What prince is that? The Black Prince, sir, alias the Prince of Darkness, alias the Devil. Hold thee, there's my purse. I give thee not this to suggest thee from thy master thou talkest of. Serve him still. I am a woodland fellow, sir, that always loved a great fire. And the master I speak of ever keeps a good fire. 
but sure he is the prince of the world let his nobility remain in his court i am for the house with the narrow gate which i take to be too little for pomp to enter some that humble themselves may but the many will be too chill and tender and they'll be for the flowery way that leads to the broad gate and the great fire go thy ways i begin to be aweary of thee and i tell thee so before because i would not fall out with thee go thy ways let my horses be well looked to without any tricks if i put any tricks upon em sir they shall be jades tricks which are their own right by the law of nature Exit. A shrewd knave and an unhappy. So he is. My lord that's gone made himself much sport out of him. By his authority he remains here, which he thinks is a patent for his sauciness. And indeed he has no pace, but runs where he will. I like him well, tis not amiss and i was about to tell you since i heard of the good lady's death and that my lord your son was upon his return home i moved the king my master to speak in the behalf of my daughter which in the minority of them both his majesty out of a self-gracious remembrance did first propose his highness hath promised me to do it and to stop up the displeasure he hath conceived against your son there is no fitter matter how does your ladyship like it with very much content my lord and i wish it happily effected his highness comes post from marseilles of as able body as when he numbered thirty he will be here to-morrow or i am deceived by him that in such intelligence hath seldom failed it rejoices me that i hope i shall see him ere i die i have letters that my son will be here to-night i shall beseech your lordship to remain with me till they meet together madam i was thinking with what manners i might safely be admitted you need but plead your honourable privilege lady of that i have made a bold charter but i thank my god it holds yet re-enter clown oh madam yonder's my lord your son with a patch of velvet on's face whether there be a scar under't or no the velvet knows but tis a goodly patch of velvet his left cheek is a cheek of two pile and a half but his right cheek is worn bare a scar nobly got or a noble scar is a good livery of honour so belike is that but it is your carbonadoed face let us go see your son i pray you i long to talk with the young noble soldier faith there's a dozen of em with delicate fine hats and most courteous feathers which bow the head and nod at 
every man. Exempt. End of Act 4.